Hi, and welcome to this special edition of From the Trenches. David, you and I have been a little bit quiet for the last few months in a podcast since, um, but it's time that we, we wanted to get together and, and then sort of talk about what happened. For those who don't know, um, David, unfortunately, David and his family, unfortunately, uh, were shocked by the passing of his father, Joseph Boyer, uh, a great man uh, who's been interviewed on the show and who was uh, ran his own small accounting firm in Melbourne, was a traditionalist, David, very heavy into the paper. Uh, and we wanted to tell, David wanted to tell Joe's, Joe's story, but also uh, how David and I came came together in in a, in a sort of a professional sense to manage the firm during that time. So, David, welcome again on behalf of the from the trenches family. Sorry to hear about the passing of your father, um, but we both thought that there was some some interesting stuff to come out of it. Thanks, mate. Um... It was a very scary day in March when mum called and I jumped on a plane down to Melbourne and unfortunately uh, we lost my dad who was 70. Um, we, My father, and I hope our dear listeners will indulge me for a bit while I talk about him before Paul and I talk about what we did together because this show is actually a, a show about dad's practice and dad's clients and uh, how Paul stepped in and I, I hope all of you find a friend in your life as good as what Paul was to me over the last few months. Uh, Paul stepped in to manage the practice while I found, ran a process to to sell it and, and we'll talk a bit about what that meant for my family. Um, my dad was the proudest chartered accountant I ever met and he was an even prouder fellow chartered accountant. His company logo, Boy Partners, was the CA red stamp logo. Um Dad was 70, as I said, he, he came to Australia from England. Um, as soon as he landed, he was, uh, was in an immigration centre in, in the west of Melbourne and uh, his dad instinctively called up what was then Jewish Welfare and said, hey, we're here, hello, nice to meet you. Um, they came with not much. Um, Dad's parents passed away or Dad was alone from a very young age, from the time he was 13 and grew up in a welfare home through Jewish Welfare, which is now known as Jewish Care. And it's one of the old, it is the oldest charity in Victoria. Um, was grew up, uh, was brought up by the good graces of some families who, who looked after him, and he, but he was very much left alone to find his own moral compass and his own values. And uh, the, that moral compass uh, was unbelievable. Um, he, when I started my career, I, I got asked, are you honest Joe's son? And I, I thought it was funny, but I didn't know what it meant. But Dad was honest beyond. Um, yeah, sometimes I wish I displayed his level of honesty. He'd do it despite his own best interests sometimes, but maybe there isn't such a thing like that. Um, Dad valued honesty to the point where if a client would call up and say, hey, have you done this? He would literally just write back no. If a client emailed when he was on holidays, he'd write back saying, I'm on holidays, I'll get back to it when I'm back. Um he had a few one-liners that he became known very well for. If you had a bad loss in the footy, there's always the next week. If you got ahead of yourself, you're only as good as your last game. Um, I've taught these to my kids, and, and when I think about my dad, I think about my dad every single day. Um, I sometimes get sad, but I usually go and do something with the kids. And, and that will ultimately be, you know, I think my sister and I, his great legacy, um, 
and I'll pass on all of those values from my dad onto my kids. And um, he leaves behind my mum, who has been unbelievably strong in, uh, throughout this period, my sister, um, uh, and me and my kids um, who loved him. And they loved Beppo. They loved Sausage Brain, as they called him. Uh, but my daughter said to me, Paul... <laughs> Dad, you're now Sausage Brain. I said, why am I Sausage And th- for those who uh, brought up in England will know Sausage Brain because it's from the Sooty and Sweep show. And, and she said, you're Sausage Brain because you're as funny as Beppo. And I thought, um, I've done it, Dad. I've done it. I'm as funny as you. We do live long enough to become our parents, our, our fathers particularly for, for, us, for us men. Um, Dad ran a small practice um, and the stress of, of finding out that your dad's in ICU is, is immense um, when you, you're a sole practitioner, it's even it's even greater because there are clients relying on you. And the story we want to share with you today is is what happened in the months after uh, Dad's passing. Um, I spent a week in hospital with Dad, with Mum and my sister in ICU, and immediately became worried about his business because the value of the accounting business was, um, you know, it's the difference between Mum being being you know comfortable and I'm never really having to worry and um, I wanted to make sure that I could preserve that I wanted to make sure I could look after the clients and certainly because of my involvement in the accounting industry Paul I felt tremendous responsibility to do it by myself um, as hard as that was at times um, when um, um, we announced that dad had passed um, we went through the, the Jewish morning period called a shiver week where my family sat at home and, and there were people non-stop at our house and I'm sure some of them are listening. Thank you. Thank you for your support and for being with us. Um, um, and I, I didn't think too much about the practice, but I, I did have one day where I went to Dad's office and just sat at his desk and um, just thought about everything that I got in my life that was delivered through the values of my mum and my dad and, and the finances that Dad's practice was was able to provide. He from an immigrant to be able to send two kids through private school and give us every everything he did was about giving my sister and I the best opportunities we could have. I, th- I think he succeeded, Paul. And um, um, I very quickly, after we had the shiver period, had to get into, well, I now need to look after Dad's clients and, and I need to find a way to sell the practice and enter Paul Meisner FCA. <sighs> was that... Look, look, it, it was a, um, you know, on, on reflection, David, I, I, I was, I was honoured to be um, able, um, able, willing, um, tried my best. Look, I think we, we, I learned a lot. I learned, <laughs> I learned a lot, um, uh, you know, about, about, about different firms, about different, or uh, lack thereof technologies. Um, and, you know, it was, it was, and learned a lot about sort of my own firm and, and my own preparations. And I suppose it's with that, it's with that lens and that context that you and I, David, thought that it was very important to, to record this, um, as difficult as it as it is for for you. And and as, um, but in the in the tradition of us being open and honest, what happened, how we did it, what we learned, um, you know, would we do it again, <laughs> and all of uh, and and all of that kind of stuff. Look, I think. Um, it's interesting. So, so let's look, let's get into some of the practicalities because I think well, obviously you know the emotion aside of it formed 
you know, forms such a, a massive, massive part of it. And I think most people can understand that. But I think the values in a lot of the practical and pragmatic yeah. sense. Um, I've, I've learned an awful lot about about client relationships, you know, and and quite um, qu- quite yeah, quite impactful. I think so, in in my firm. So it's three. So let's we've got a structure yeah, to this show. Yeah. Thank you for for listening to me and and thanking thank you everyone for letting me talk about my dad. I hope you didn't skip that bit. We're going to talk about the first few weeks where we identified very quickly we needed an urgent business management plan and we needed to urgently get a business sale done. They were the two streams of work. All while you've got the grief and you've got grief and you've got grieving and you've got all of the stuff that happens happening on the side. And and um, I was very fortunate. I took three weeks off from work during this during that, those early periods as well. Um, so we're going to talk about the urgent business plan, a bit of a rush succession plan the transition, and we should tell everyone, so Paul came in to manage the business. I asked Paul to come in and just manage clients and be there as a tax agent who could take a client's call because whilst I could take a call, I don't have the headspace for it, I didn't want to do it, um, and it's been a little while since I've lodged a tax return and, and we could always get somebody to man a phone, but to man a phone and then say, and here's what we're going to do made a big difference. We'll then talk about the sales process and some learnings that Paul and I have about the industry and, and about clients, and and I'll, I'll give you the hot tip: it's all about the clients. It, it was, David. I, th- I think that's an interesting thing. You know, look during that first um, first call. You know, the the immediate the lights have to stay on, and, and someone um, has to be able to answer the phone. You know, as we know, most often for the ATO, there's there's IASs. Lodgement extensions um, were obviously a big thing. So someone had to be there if, if clients had a question. It was coming to the end of the year. There was Your, your dad has a lot of pension um, clients in self-managed. So those sort of those sort of things. And I think, you know, we, we probably, you know, quite quickly, and because we, we have run firms before, and I, you know, I still do, we did know that there was a real short-term work that needed to be done. And we really did split it up quite well, I think, in terms of the, I was just solely focused on short-term getting in there, communicating with clients, being being there to listen to them, and you were in the the longer-term camp. And I think, look, you know, hopefully it worked well together, and I think it did in that I was pushing you to get a resolution because I needed to get out because I was trying to run my own firm as well, which was and, – and your dad's firm is, is very – uh, paper-based and location-driven, so I was I was heading over to the other side of town um, once a week. Um, but hopefully, you know, me, me being there at least added or, or held some of the value so that there was, was something to sell when you got around to it. So I knew intuitively we had a week when Dad was in ICU and we hadn't communicated with, with clients yet. Um, and then we had a week of, of shiver where some a lot of clients knew um, being... My dad had two parts of his practice. It was a tax practice and the audit practice. And the audit practice, he had a lot of communal institutions and, and Jewish clients, but his tax practice wasn't as communal as what you would have, I, I think, what I thought. Um, and so we knew that the word was going to get out. So we got an email and a letter out to dad's clients explaining what would happen. And that letter came from my family. Um, my mother had worked in the practice, and as I think many sole practitioners that partners have worked in the practice at some point along the journey. And if you're old enough, it would have been as the receptionist in the 90s and that was the title receptionist and, and now it might be in some capacity. Um, um, and, and, you know, we need to talk about this without getting into a gender war, but most of these 
most of these people are men who ran small tax practices for the last 30, 40 years, and their wives were the receptionist. They did corporate secretarial work. They'd help out with um, the admin side. And in paper-driven practices, this was actually a really important role. A really, and, and I got to witness that firsthand because when we opened Dad's files, we can tell in a minute what's going on in a client. And one of my big lessons here is, a well-structured physical file is easier to understand what's happening in a client's world than any digital file. At Dad's Files, you pick them up, Paul, and you've got the cover letter, please find enclosed your tax return and annual accounts for the year. Bang, they're there. Then you've got your general ledger, coded to a work paper, sometimes coded, not coded, but you can flick through and you can see all the key work papers that are in there. You can see the key correspondence for the year and literally in a minute you get a feel for what's going on with the client. I think that, look. I think that's interesting, and, and let's and let's probably delve into that because I, I think, in a practice management sense, what probably struck me as interesting was a completed file. For me, was probably just as easy to pick up in a physical sense rather than a rather than a um, or, or sort of the same as a technology sense, maybe a bit easier. Um, but anything that wasn't wasn't completed, you know, I, I think. The, the, the paper-based stuff when there's work in progress rather than a full email trail or, or job or job management system. Um, you know, and I run a sort of somewhat slapped together job management system, but there is that trail of constant communication where where it is kind of a live file. For me, I think that was really interesting that, that the paper files sort of the last year were immaculate, but anything that was in, in process was... Um, yeah, was a little bit harder to pick up well, than a tech the, sense. The in-process stuff was uh, in, a, in a file, in, like in a pile in his office, literally in a paper. Like Many know, piles. But like they just Many be a pile of paper. Um, but let's start at the start, Paul. So you came in and then the first thing that you and I knew we had to do was the regulatory framework that we had to operate in so that you could be authorised to lodge in the practice. And I, did, I, I was mainly signing things here and you and I are in a position where we know a lot of key people in a lot of key positions. How did you find the experience of getting the right authorizations? So I think, David, the, the, the number, the step one was trying to get on the portal, online services for agents. So I think that was, um, you know, that's obviously where all the gold is in terms of running, in terms of running a firm. Your job list is the tax returns to lodge list, uh, and the BASs and the ISs to lodge. So that's all that. Uh, look, I, I found. The TPB were helpful. We, I just we copped a. I reckon we just copped a bad first phone call, and they didn't. They didn't understand it. Was, it was, there was a lot going on, David. There was a lot happening in the office, and probably whether it was me not explaining it right or, or them jumping to an answer, they really did lead us down the garden path. And because I was only in there one day, physically one day a week, and it, it really did probably put us two weeks or a week and a half behind where we should have, just by getting some bad upfront advice. We, I won't say called in a favour, we, we, we sort of asked uh, someone we know in the industry to sort of help out and maybe reach some people. And I think it was happening behind the scenes in the TPB, but we felt like we hadn't got the right, uh, got the right advice. I think, look, you know, I, I, I hear that the TPB may have had a, um, may have a bit more of a checklist or a bit more of a process documented and look i mean I, I think i should say that the professional bodies were again nowhere um you know that they they just don't know what 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 small practices do and and kind of there was there was nothing there um 
ironically, the ATO, I, I sort of, we probably the, the one of the mistakes we made was a bit of a reaction to not being quick enough onto the being able to get access. The ATO probably would have let us in. Um, getting portal access was was just really hard. It, it ended up involved me being a director of the firm, David, which probably legally and, and in discussions with my wife was a sort of probably a bigger decision than we needed to make. Um, it worked, backfired a little when we wanted to change the bank accounts. But look, I think it, it, it sort of added a layer that, that maybe we could we could find a way to get better access quicker to the portal. Yeah, and similarly, it was a, an interesting conversation where I had to explain to mum why the, the quickest way to get access was for you to be a director. Um, mm. and people listening will, will probably think of a million different ways, but, but you know, we're not going to share all the information on this podcast, but there was a reason, Paul, you did end up, and I remember you calling me up saying, Dave, I've got access, it's a great day, and it was like the first good news yeah. I'd had in a while, yep. and I thought, wow, how's my life going? That, that That's good news. <laughs> but it, that was really important. Um, and then I think we were able to, in the letter that we sent out to the clients, I said, Paul is very much like Joe. He's heavily focused on the clients. He will take the time to listen to you, and you should have confidence that, that your affairs will be in order. Um, and I think clients interpret that two different ways. Like some understood that you're an interim solution and others just wanted to call you up and say, I just want to meet you. Like literally no agenda. Oh, there was, there was a line out the door. I mean, I, I think that the one day um, that I was in there a week physically was, yeah, it was, was sort of, was sort of lots of, lots of meetings. And, and I think that that speaks to the type of client. Um, some clients are a bit more remote. Some clients are a bit more, um, a bit more face to face. I think your dad was very big into the email as well. Like they, but a relationship built from face to face. But had that, yeah. Look, I think we. I was very clear on being an interim solution. I did get propositioned in a, in a professional sense to take on a lot of the work, and you know, I, I wasn't in the. Uh, I didn't have the capacity for it. I didn't have the sort of intention for it. I'm not big in that aging population type self-managed super fund retirement planning. I'm sort of more in the, in the, in the younger, in the younger and, and more tech savvy businesses. Um, but yeah, look, I, it was just, it was just such an interesting, interesting time. <laughs> and it was just really, it was really hard, but the most important thing, we'll come back to that, about it at the end. Cause it's the, the most powerful thing for me was those conversations with clients. You've got to, I was sitting in a firm, David, where I, I kept looking around and just seeing all this paper and, and part of me was like, I've, I've stepped back into the, into the, into the time warp. Um, and I kind of had anxiety that there were like real original copies of bank statements just lying on, on shelves. And I, I can, Oh, I have, I'm holding my chest at the moment. Cause I just, I remember just the feeling of seeing bank statement folders, um, uh, just just lying on the floor. But it, the thing for me was when we spoke to these clients, Dave, and you had conversations and I had conversations, you know, clients were, had tears in their eyes talking about how much they valued the professional relationship and, and the, the personal relationship. And I think in a world of noise, largely from software companies that tells us, you know, we've got to be more to our clients than data entry or, you know, you've got someone who ran by all by all 
current metrics of technology innovation was a dinosaur and the relationship he had with every, you know, with every single one of his clients that I spoke to was this unbelievably deep human relationship. And I think that's what the industry forgets. Um, that's what we, we being small firm accountants have always been. That's the value we provided. And I think when you, when it, it wasn't till stepping into a firm that many blogs and articles have been written about these accountants never being able to work again because they don't have a certain type of software that just doesn't, just doesn't hold water, David, because the client relationship is so strong. Um, I'll tell the story of, one of dad's clients, Chris, uh, and I got various calls from his clients over in, you know, in the, in the periods afterwards. And a lot of them I knew, like a lot, I, I learned to do accounting on Sol six on these clients. Um, I'd audited these clients when I was at university and, and uh, a lot of them, and even if they didn't know me, dad would talk endlessly about me to them and they knew me. And one guy, Chris called me up, he's in tears. And, and this is like a scene out of a movie. And he said, David, I'm, I'm sitting on my tractor on a hill on my farm and my wife has just run out onto the balcony. She's waving this letter. She's saying, Joe's dead. Joe's passed away. Joe's not with us. And he started crying. And then I started, I was sitting at dad's desk at the time when I took the call. Um, and he said, David, um, I've made money with your dad. I've lost money with your dad. And I wouldn't have this farm that I'm sitting on without your dad. And I'm sitting on my tractor on a hill and the sun's setting and I can see your dad smiling at me. And I wouldn't be anywhere without your dad. And I told mum that story and um, obviously mum knew him and uh, he can't read or write. This guy used to sign his tax returns in the shape of a fish. So you can you can worry about how you're going to automate your practice or you can worry about having that sort of impact on somebody's life. And um, it's very easy to focus on the, the wrong thing there. Don't, don't, don't focus on the wrong thing. Don't focus on the automation. Just only focus on the client and you'll end up with a legacy as celebrated as what's dad, what Dad's has been by his clients um, and an impact that, that he's had. Uh, and that's just one of many. And, Paul, you got plenty of those stories as well. You know, f for that, there was also the odd client that would call me up and say, I'm sorry for your dad and sorry for your loss. When can you lodge my tax return? And, you know, I'd, I'd get off that call very quickly. But... The, the the small business accountant, you know, you hear these stories, and you, you know, I think about my own marketing department at Change GPS, and we try to focus on the client, but we'll never come close to that. It's impossible. It's it's just it's not something that a marketing team should try to recreate either. It is a very pure relationship between the advisor and the accountant. Um, and Paul, I'm I'm so pleased that you were able to help so many of them. Um, oh, we want to make sure that we keep going because it's easy for, for me to get lost in these stories. Um, yeah, talk about the sale. I think. Well, I think no, we hang should... on. You got there's one important oh. bit. We remunerated you. This was important. Yes. So first of all, you were a phenomenal friend for taking this on, but it was important that you were remunerated. And and I said to you straight up front, how much do you want? And you, you came up with a day rate. I wanted to do it because I think you deserved it. Uh, I wanted to do it because I knew that if you were getting paid at least, there'd be you'd, you'd see it through, um, you know, and I wouldn't be left in two weeks with with having to send another another email out. Um, yeah, practice can afford to pay someone to step in, so the money wasn't necessarily a problem. Um, but 
I, that was a hard conversation for us to have at the start, and then it got harder because sometimes we'd forget you pay your invoices because this is, you know, we're a grieving family, and you'd have to call up and say, "Hey, can you pay?" And like that sucks. Yeah, yeah. That absolutely sucks. And and you know what? You're so bloody honest because you're a director and you had access to the bank accounts, and you could have just paid it yourself. I don't think I ever. I don't think I ever tried, which is because I didn't want to. Um, yeah. But look, I think that's it, and and it is worth mentioning because I think. I, we had that relationship where we, well, I guess I'm, I'm just ballsy enough to <laughs> ask, uh, you know, it, but, but I think for those reasons, like I, I it, it's very easy. And, and you, you did have an option in the industry that was probably, unfortunately, a little bit close to the client base in, in a, in a sort of independent sense um, that, you know, that, that also offered assistance or there were other versions of assistance. But, but I was with you, I was with you, Dave, and we were on the same page, which was if I'm going to commit to this and if I'm going to see it through and if I'm going to actually get in the car and drive all the way over every week and commit to those days, commit to those times, I drove over when I had screaming kids and had lots of other stuff to do or when the, the Westgate Bridge absolutely crapped out <laughs> um that it needed it needed to have a dollar value and i think so we, we've got to have some and i think that's a real lesson in, in just being confident enough to, to to have a price um i probably knew that you were you were okay with it and would have seen that um as as an okay thing so i think for people out there you know when they're looking at these it will come as a cost, and, and look, I think I think it sort of added up just because of the, the, the number of months that the sale proceed. You know, a, a day rate kind of is one of these things, and one of those days was remote, and one of those days was on site, just out of interest because it's sort of I could do a little bit like emails and and the ATO portal and that remote. Um, so, but I, I thought it was fair for what I thought it was fair for what I did. I mean, it could have. My wife keeps telling me it could have been far higher. Um, so I, I think there, I think there was a win, a win-win, or a, a sort of a not so much lose in it for, for each of us. Is that your thoughts? Yeah, I think you know. You also said at the time, I don't, I don't want to make my money off profiteering off a grieving family, um, but but the fact that it was commercial was just it was important to me um, and important to you, and you were a director, and you did, and there is an element of risk in an accounting practice, mostly manageable, but there is an element of risk. Um, the sales process, and I felt it was accountability too. Like you could, you could hold me to account for my standards in getting back to your clients, and I could do the job properly. I wouldn't put your non-paying clients if if we didn't yeah. have that arrangement in behind my own. The sales process, but so- it was difficult. It was difficult to manage. Um, do you want to talk about the sale process? Because that, yeah. So that was. Yeah. As soon as it, it happened, um, our family lawyer, um, PB Law, Jesse Sharp and Michael Sharp, and long-term family friends of ours, and I think it wouldn't be uncommon for a public practice accountant to have a lawyer in their close friendship circle. Um, but I'm talking proper friends, not just not just legal advisors. Uh, Michael, long-term friend of my father, um, mad Collingwood fan as well, um, and, and a, a wicked sense of humour when he wants to. Um, straight away... He said that 
it was actually interesting. Jesse, Michael's son, who's running the practice now, was this networking thing. and said to this firm, hey, you're looking to buy fees? I said, yeah, actually, we are. Um, that firm was a firm called Southern Cross Business Advisors out of Mildura, which had a beautiful romance to it because my family holidayed in Mildura for about seven years back-to-back when I was a kid up at Sunrager Resort there back when Stefano De Pieri was putting Mildura on the food culinary map. And obviously, you know, <laughs> me being who I am in the accounting industry, I put a post up on LinkedIn and saying, you know, our families decided to sell the practice, and which, which got 30,000 views. So anyone who was going to buy a practice in Australia probably would have seen it. Um, and, and that helped because I don't know – oh, I'll put it this way. If anyone's telling you that your practice isn't worth anything because you're old and you don't use technology, well, hang up on them. That's absolute rubbish. Um, if anyone tells you there aren't many people buying practices, that's also absolute rubbish. I reckon I honestly spoke to about 20 people. Um, I had three questions when I spoke to them. Um, One, are you currently looking to buy a practice as part of your firm strategy? Disgustingly, there were opportunists out there who were coming in with lowball offers and just trying to see easy fees and pay. And the follow-up question is, well, what have you done so far? Um, Because I wanted this to go to someone who wasn't changing their plans to look after dad's clients. I I wanted to know that they were already in that phase. Um, the second question that I asked was, um, I knew how much dad had audit and tax. So I wanted them, to, I wanted to sell both just so that I didn't have to worry about two different processes. It turns out that is extremely hard to do. The, the you know, dad's that old school, the registered company auditor and a tax agent. There aren't many people like this anymore. Mm. Audit became way too risky. It's done by the big firms. We couldn't really sell the audit fees to a big firm because they'd, the pricing wouldn't work, but just the hourly rate of the those bigger firms doesn't work on the smaller rate. Um, and the third question was, given the transaction size, you know, how quickly can you settle? Do you have this cash on hand or financing available right now? You know, you get one guy who I reckon wore shiny white leather shoes and probably a Gold Coast property developer said, oh, well, I've got many high-ranking relationships with banking partners. Get stuffed, mate. You know, um, he couldn't... You know, if he, moths would fly out of the thing, couldn't... He'd have to borrow... Use, yeah. it, use debt to buy a sandwich, right? Absolutely. And, and and I did not shy away from asking those three questions up front because I, I did have a lot of competitive tension for it, which was great because it meant that I knew that I would, whatever I was going to get prior. And, and you'd think that when there isn't a partner to do a handover, you know, you're not expecting to get the absolute top dollar. And I don't think we did get the absolute top dollar. But you go through those things and then you have the soft part, which was critical for mum Um and mum is the centre of all of this. I was running the process on behalf of mum as the executor of the estate and the beneficiary of the will. Um, it was all being done for her and I included mum as much as I could in the whole process, which is sometimes challenging because, one, our family's grieving and, two, some of this is like a bit of corporate mumbo-jumbo that has to happen and you have to learn these things really quickly. But we got, we got to understand a feel for where the market was pricing these fees at really quickly. And after those 20 people, um, we ended up selling the practice to the, the firm introduced by, by my law, our family lawyer, by Michael and Jesse, um, Southern Cross Business Advisors, to Nolan Nahit there. And it worked so well for them. Um, Nahit was, was an ex-Deloitte partner who was running the Melbourne office and had done really well by himself. But they just needed that extra bit of fees to warrant hiring somebody so they could start building their Melbourne presence. An extremely well-established and well-known Mildura firm um, and showed tremendous care to me and to mum throughout the process. And it's so ironic that it, mum and I, was, and my sister Emma, were talked about a lot, but 
but there was that element of like country values and client servicing that dad had. <laughs> and we, we know that like in the country, you have to be like that. Cause if you stuff up and rip someone off, your reputation is done in country firms. You, like that's it. You, you're finished. So we knew that we were going to get that. And the hit was just this lovely client. I, I really see a lot of my dad and him. He's trying to build a name for himself and, um, um, build up a practice and build up his partnerships and, um, you know, hit calls mum just to have a chat still, which is just oh, amazing. Wow. It's just amazing. You know, we, we had this, they came over to the office and we were meeting and they were doing due diligence. We, we got some files together and my mum made this like unreal tasting platter to come and to bring over and we just chatted with Noel and um, that was that was fantastic. I, I did a classic, you know, deal process. I actually spoke to one of the brokerages who you introduced me, Paul, whose name's just escaped me. Um, okay. uh, Kev or Daniel? Daniel. Daniel Jones, yep. Daniel Jones, who was so nice and professional on the phone, but I just felt this sense that I had to do this by myself. I didn't want to go through a broker. Yeah, okay, brokers charge, but arguably they charge a reasonable rate because if you don't have a me in your family, how are you going to do this by yourself? Um, I just felt a responsibility to do it. Um, and Daniel actually has his, his proposal has really excellent guys. So if anyone finds themselves in this situation, just to have a chat. You know, the, the proposal that they put together is really thorough and I got his proposal and um, it can give you a lot of information. I put together an IM. Um, again, an accountant should know how to put together an IM for a small business. There's a few basics that you have to get together and it's hard. You know, Dad had a paper practice. I'd, I couldn't just push a report out of zero and get all the financial data. I spent a day in his office trying to work out where things were at and what was going on. Um, um, so I put together an IM and I had to split a clients and you, know, you put together an anonymized client list and, and, and all that and DD went pretty well um, and we're really happy uh, with how, how it settled. I ended up selling the audit fees to uh, Rajesh who um, dad had outsourced a lot of his audit work to over the years and we just thought that was the best way to do it. You know, um, We ended up getting... Um, um, a good result on the audit fees, but it is if you're a small practitioner specialising in audit, you know the, the depth of people who are able to buy those fees isn't the same as tax fees. Mm. Um, yeah. So if you know if we're getting into learnings from this and that's your practice, I think you need more planning on that than you do on the tax side of things uh, at, at the moment. Um, what? Let's. What do we? Let's let's wrap up. I know it's been a long episode, and we we were trying to keep it short. What? I want to talk a little bit about what I sort of learned from my own practice. Cause I think, um, you know, that's another sort of thing. You, you won't have to go through it again. Luckily um, you have committed and I have written it down somewhere that you are uh, offering your services. If this ever happens to Mel and the kids Absolutely. or, um, which, you, which is nice. No, no, it's all good. I was, um, but I, I think it's interesting that, that certainly, my wife and I did have a conversation about, she, she knows a bit more about the business. She, her, she runs her business through our, through, through sort of our, our, our joint businesses, um, zero file. She knows a bit more. Um, although nothing sort of eventuated of it, we, we do, we probably sort of had a bit more of an open and honest chat about being a bit more inclusive in what was happening, the systems we use, that kind of thing. Um, David, you and I have spoken about, I've spoken about to a couple of people in the industry, whether or not a business needs to nominate, you know, I, I guess a will has an executor. Do you have that professional person and what does it look like? Um, someone that's sort for, of a break glass in a case of emergency. Particularly for smaller practices that don't have business managers. 
Th- th- that's specifically where where the gap is. Um, Dad had uh, Wendy, who was fantastic, um, is long term receptionist, who was absolutely brilliant, but but couldn't didn't run the business. Yep. yep. Absolutely, and I think so. So I think one of the things that that I haven't I haven't worked on. I mean, I mean, my systems are online. Things are sort of getting more and more documented. Um, I do have two staff in the Philippines who sort of, um, I guess, your dad didn't have any professional staff, which did make it hard for that continuity because I had to do it. So there was nobody who who knew the processes and the procedures um, or the floor-based filing system before it had been well categorised by Wendy into into lovely folders. Anything that was pre-folder was a little bit uh, a little bit agricultural, but. I suppose I'm still not sold in tapping someone on the shoulder for my firm and having a, and, and, and I guess it's, it's do, I still think it's a short term play. You know, I, I still don't think that I would ever pick someone to say, have my firm or, or be bothered with pre-negotiating a sales contract. I think hopefully I last to the part where, where Harry, my son and Charlotte, my daughter, um, is is old enough to to assist my wife if I am to, to go first and leave and leave that I would generally probably have one one at least one professional staff either here or overseas um, so I'd, I'd probably be happy picking a short term person to say look if this happens I need you in the first month or two um, but I still don't know whether I could whether I'd bother pre negotiating a a longer term solution. And I, I don't know what the right answer is on on that side of things, but you know, Dad at his seventieth, and we were all in uh, Broadbeach his seventieth, and he said, you know, st- I'm starting to think about retiring, and but, but it wasn't stop working, like, and this is the thing with particularly with that generation of accountants, it, the, it keeps the brain so fresh. The clients are a key part of their social life, um, and that, and, and he never wanted to stop helping. He knew he was helping, and he didn't want to stop. So. I don't know if I've got an answer for everyone out there about what you should do, but but the the easy things that I can share based on our experience, get a successor director if you're trading out of a company, that'll help with the bank straight away. The bank was an absolute pain in the butt. Um, mm. If we've got an ageing population and, and we've got increased, um, we're going to have increased deaths, then the big corporates of Australia are not ready for what to do when the primary contact passes away. Interesting on that, David, I... I if if my wife wasn't already a signatory on the uh, on all of the accounts because she trades out of them as well, I would I would make her I would have made her if she wasn't already. So I think, you know, in, in terms of an outcome, one of the things I'd do if I was a sole trader, and this goes to sole trader businesses as well, not just accounting firms, um, that you know having a second person with bank access is going to make sure make the world of difference. Um, you know, potentially a second person with online <laughs> agent yeah. access as well. Yeah. Um, the the um, the other thing thing that I think is important, and, and accounts are good at asset protection, and they're getting starting to get into wills and um, estate planning, and some are better at that than not. But there isn't going to be a right answer for this because so much is dependent on the relationship that you have with your partner. Um, for you and Mel, it's obviously very close. She's got access to your bank accounts, but I mean, I've got mates my age, partners at law firms who who and their wives wouldn't even know what they bank what what bank they bank with. You know, it's just a logo on a card, and and I I don't 
again, I don't want this to be a gender conversation. It's just the nature of their relationship is like that. Um, so I, I don't know if I've got hard recommendations of it, but but the, the other hard part that, that was was getting actually access to his computer because um, the software was fine, but getting access into, into Windows was hard. And me and my sister in particular had spent days and days trying to think about what the password was and it was a convo, Paul, you, you, I think you overheard a convo and we, you heard the sort of words that we were using and you just tried a combination. I don't want to share what it was. Uh, it was remarkably simple. And you got in and it was like this huge pressure valve, like yeah, yeah. just to get into Windows because there's no, you can't reset that. You know, most firms, and you run you run Mac for some crazy reason, you run all these weirdo accounts on a Mac, but there's no, there's no one you can call to get into that. So that's the critical one. Um, and shout out to Gav Fernandez and the MyOB team who helped helped us, or helped me jump back into MyOB my after 20 or so years or 15 or so years out. My big takeaway, Paul, as we start to wrap up, um, aside from your general happiness as a practitioner, the other thing that, that – and, and the way you manage your work-life balance or whatever fancy word you want to put on that – your relationships with your clients is absolutely everything. The tech is completely irrelevant. When somebody buys your practice, they're going to throw out your tech and they are going to put your clients on their rails and their tech. Don't think, you know, and, and yeah, you know, when you talk to the business valuation guys, if you're running a lot of tech, some firms will pay more, some firms won't. Don't think that because you don't have tech, there isn't a buyer out there who's going to belt you, you know, everyone's going to belt you on price. You'll be fine. You're just going to be, you're just going to sell to a different type of firm to the firm who wants all the tech. They're that, it's that buoyant, the buyer market. So do not have any fear at all. Run your practice exactly the way you want it to run for you. Talk to other accountants who are like you about ways to run it because some do like different types of tech, but and spend all your time with your clients because I can tell you Southern Cross bought this particular practice because of dad's deep relationships. And here's the proof. I knew that we had a certain amount of time to get a, a transaction done because we needed to give assurance to clients about their future affairs. And the longer you wait, the more the ethical letters start building up. So we didn't get any ethical letters for two weeks. They started to come in, in the third week and I think the fourth and fifth week we got a few more. We only got about like maybe 10% of the clients, maybe less. Like it's not, it wasn't that many because it was a step through relationship. And then as soon as Nihit from, from Southern Cross got on the phone and started introducing himself, I think three of those ethicals disappeared. The client didn't want to go anywhere else. They just needed an answer and they couldn't get it done. Even with you, and, they couldn't get it done. Yeah. And I think, look, I think on that, that that's really interesting. We, we, we prioritised as we should of, you know, Joe was the firm, right? Like, and, you know, we prioritised that. Well, like, Paul is just the new Joe in the interim. And then it was that, you know, Southern Cross Business Advisors, but it was Nihit and his his story. And we sort of said that to him, that it was, it, it's it's about him being their accountant, not um, not necessarily the, the size of the firm or where the firm is. It was that they wanted someone, especially Joe's client base, um, wanted someone that they could visit and see and, and touch. So, look, I think it was, it's been a crazy, you know, during the busiest time of, 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 of a tax agent's year, um, yeah, it was, mate, it was a journey. It thank was a you. journey. It was a journey, and, and thank you for supporting me at a major point in my life, and thank you 
to my wife, who was amazing, Lexi, and, and my kids, and thank you to the Change GPS team because it was also the busiest time in Change GPS for the year leading into tax planning season. These things never happen. It doesn't matter when these things happen. It's never going to be a good time. It doesn't care about what's going on in your life. Um, I was fortunate to be around so many good good people, and, and I also want to – they don't listen to this, but uh, to my school friends in the Goldman Gang, you know, you rely on your friends so much. You just do, and, you know, Whilst my message is from from Dad's point of view, from the biggest lesson from Dad about business is invest in your in your clients. That's all that matters. Um, and I'll add in that invest in your friendships. And if you've got a friend who you haven't called in a while, just pick pick up the phone and say good day, um, um, and see what happens. That's it, mate. Forty four minutes longer than we wanted. Hard topic to That's talk right. about, but every accountant, I think, and we're still recording, every accountant, I think everyone needs to hear this. And it, um, maybe you'll change, maybe you won't change. I don't know. I don't, I don't really care. I just, I want you to know that the work that you do for your clients matters and I saw it firsthand. Like, like in no, not even the way when I was in practice, I didn't have relationships like this because it's a 40-year relationship he had. And uh, they're a great way to celebrate him. Um, as Paul's connection drops off, I'm going to say thank you and um, I'll see you around, everyone. Maybe we'll start doing some trenches again. See ya.